0: Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you if you listened into podcast or episode one of the podcast, All right, the topic we're going to discuss today uh, might be a very
0: controversial topic. I think it Um, is for sure a controversial topic.
1: I agree, but what we're not going to try and do is get too political because I'll be honest with you, um, my political knowledge is not the best. Um, And so what we're going to get into is, I'm not sure if most people have seen the news, hopefully you have, even if you're not into tennis, most of you will know who Novak Djokovic is. If you don't, Who's that? then enlighten yourself. <laughs>
0: Who's that? If you don't, pause um, the episode, Google him, and we'll still be here afterwards.
1: Yes. And also, can you please check Andy Murray's savage response to uh, Nigel Farage <laughs> on his Twitter? Because that is unbelievable. Anyway, um, so yeah, today we're going to be going over, in the wider sense, um, not just Novak Djokovic, but the idea of exemptions for athletes and also about, uh, as I will allude to in a minute, Um, the idea that basically forcing vaccines down people's throats to institutionalize it might not be such a great thing. However, I'm going to let Yushuan kind of take the lead and I will jump in as and when if I've got anything to add, um, which I'm sure I will. (laughs) Anyway.
0: (laughs) Sweet. Well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm excited to do this episode because If you listened in to last episode, and um, if you haven't, please just have a listen. Much appreciated. Um, We agreed a lot on a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, We have similar views and similar values, but I think we might have a few disagreements today. And so just for those of you who just a quick background and run through the sort of events that's been happening with in terms of Novak Djokovic, Um, obviously, it's the Australian Open at the moment. And by the way, before we begin, I just want to caveat that I'm not I'm not too sure when this episode's going to come out, so there might have been more, yeah, uh, more news and more events since then that we don't talk about. But as of now, Novak Djokovic has entered Australia, or has been given a visa to enter Australia to play at the Australian Open. But upon arrival, the visa was rejected and. The visa was cancelled because he's unvaccinated and they didn't accept his exemption that he provided. So they then detained him in a what would be known as a sort of quarantine hotel for just over a week until his hearing for his appeal, which was actually this morning. So Con and I have been sitting by and watching the news and. He's just won his appeal, so he's been granted the visa, so he should, in theory, be able to play in the Australian Open, and he still, he still wishes to do so, as he says from his social media. But at the same time, uh, the Australian Border Force can still cancel his visa for the second time and would also permit, uh, prohibit him from entering Australia for the next, I think, three years or something crazy like that. Um, this obviously has fired up a lot of controversy, both within Australia, within the tennis community, and just the general public, I think. Um, you know, people like, like, I think it was Rafael Nadal who came out and said, the only thing he knows is that if you're vaccinated, that you can I've seen a lot of support for Novak. His family has also been super vocal about their views on what's been happening and their son being, as they as they claim, being detained in a quarantine hotel yeah. Um, being held captive basically for what they deem as unjustified reasons. And as you can probably guess, like this has led to a much wider debate um, both in the news and in public spheres, as to you know what kind of message is being sent to the public and being sent to both tennis fans and just just people in Australia who you know they've Melbourne's been locked down for however long months and months and in and out of lockdown. And people have been, people have been um, expected to follow these rules. They've not been able to see or do the things or the people that they want. And so, if, you know, understandably, I think, if you just see this on the news that the world number one tennis player, because he's world number one, seemingly, can just waltz in without following any of these rules or respecting what they're going through, that can be quite, quite difficult. Yeah. And can cause a lot of anger as well, and and at the same time, what Novak's doing has fueled a lot of political debate. And you know, it's a situation that can be quite easily politicized, and I think it is. And I I don't know Novak Djokovic obviously personally, and I don't know his political views or whether he wants to be political at all. But at the end of the day, whether he likes it or not, he's got a massive platform, and he's yeah. got a wide reach to the public and what he does and what he says can be taken and is taken by the public, by politicians, by people who want to harness that message um, in ways that he might want or might not want it to be used. So, yeah, let's start with you, Con. What do you you think about the situation? I, I mean... I don't want to
1: turn this into like a pro-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, blah, blah, because I think the wider issue, like you said, is that like, you know, there are obviously people in Australia who potentially can't see their family and so on and so forth um, or haven't been able to see their family. And then, you know, as, as a celebrity, as it were, a famous sports person has been able to just come into the country and just kind of romp about of his own free will. Um, I'm, maybe free will is probably not the right word to use, but, you know, he's been able to kind of just in essence, do what he wants. And I'm not saying that, uh, what the border force, uh, what the border force or Australian border force have done is, is the right thing to do. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, he is a very prolific athlete. People know him. He, and stuff that he says carries a large amount of weight. So when you read the news and it says, and I don't, uh, this is one of the issues I think with the news is when people say stuff like um, a, a title that I read I think was from the Independent was something like Novak Djokovic, Djokovic faces um, ban of French Open, um, and then in the same title it was because Emmanuel Macron comes down hard on anti-vaxxers, and it's kind of like, well, I d- I have from what I've read, I it doesn't appear to me that Novak Djokovic has ever mentioned that he is an anti-vaxxer whatsoever.
0: He's been quite vocal about um, not wanting to take the vaccine. Has he? Yeah. Yeah. He has. I think that's part of the, that's part of what's caused so much anger. I think the fact that he's been so vocal about it and been so, so opinionated publicly about how he doesn't want to take the vaccination and, He doesn't think that it should be mandated and people should be forced to do so. Um, And just so you and the the listeners are on the same page, like he said the exemption that he provided was that he contracted COVID. I think it was last December. And so he's got the antibodies and he's immune, as it were, from getting it at the moment. And he's and he's also provided a negative test, and this exemption was certified by you know a qualified physician, as well as verified by a panel from the Victoria, uh, from the from the state uh, uh, the state government in Victoria, yeah. and I think that's what the confusion was about. You know that it's gone through all the official channels, and whether or not it was a good enough exemption in our eyes, it was accepted and it was endorsed by a doctor and it was accepted by the state government of which the tournament was being held. So then I think for them to turn around and say, actually, no, this isn't good enough. Like the judge said in the appeal this morning, like what more can a man do? You know, What what more is he expected to do in terms of, you know, the border force rules is you have to be vaccinated or have a valid exemption. And he's, ticked all the right boxes, as it were, but... um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying.
1: No, I I mean, I wasn't aware that he'd mentioned outright that he was against people having vaccinations. Um, But then, without turning this into an anti-vaxxer, pro-vaxxer, at the end of the day, the choice is yours. If you don't want to become vaccinated, you don't have to. But the difficulty becomes if the repercussions of that mean that let's say tennis australia says you can't compete unless you are vaccinated but you don't want to get vaccinated and then you and then you you know you get a visa and and like you said it goes through all the right channels and people are like yeah that's fine it's all good as soon as you get to the country and everyone's like well hold on a sec you can't do this so it's almost like not a catch 22 but in essence it's sort of like um what's the word i'm looking for like they're, they're almost being kind of hypocritical
0: yeah like is it um is it truly a choice you know is it if you're given it's basically you're given two bad options
1: yeah um, you either and, get vaccinated or you
0: yeah and that that's that's you know you're not being given sufficient opportunity and resource in either option you know and mm. you know yeah like you say it's not necessarily and we don't want to get into the debate of pro-anti-vaccination or pro-anti-vaccination mandates Mm -hmm. but you know like we talk about all the time sports is more than not just a microcosm of greater society and the greater world that we live in and you know we're seeing people in all different professions being forced to get vaccinations in order to remain in their jobs and that's not forced in the sense of they're getting held at gunpoint or being tied down and some guys fucking jamming them in the arm but you know i think if the choice is get vaccinated or lose your job that is in a sense that's being forced
1: i wonder if you could also argue though it does depend potentially on the context because Although, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if anyone will, will, will likely hear this from, from my workplace, but my workplace asked if I would like to be vaccinated um, because they said, based on the work that I do and the current climate, as well as coming into close contact with people who could potentially be susceptible to catching the, the variant or subsequent variants, it might be better for me to think about becoming vaccinated. So although I wasn't given an ultimatum, you know, and I appreciated that because ultimately the, the choice was rested with me. Um, I chose to be vaccinated because I that was my decision. And I think it gives me the best protection possible to, you know, fight against uh, the virus. Um, other people might think differently, but again, <laughs> we're not getting into that debate but turning it back into the the Novak Djokovic thing what i find interesting is it's not obviously there's there's two camps you have people who are who've been protesting outside of his hotel room where he's been obviously quarantined who are like keep him locked up blah 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 but then there's also hundreds of people who are like let let him go um and I, I find it interesting that I think I'm not sure if, if I'm not sure where I saw this because I did not write it down but there's been so much stuff coming out now um that it's not just Novak Djokovic it faces a, a wider you know uh, I saw an interview with Rafael Nadal and said he knows the rules if he wants to compete he has to get vaccinated or he has to think about getting vaccinated or whatever um Who else was that? I'm pretty sure that I saw uh, Serena Serena Williams also come out and say, you know, people know the rules, et cetera, et cetera. And I always find it quite difficult when the media asks athletes about what do you think? Because obviously, if they're going to get paid for this, what do you think they're going to say? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Most often they're going to have a positive, you know, they're going to get. Yeah, they should get vaccinated, (laughs) even if they don't fully believe
0: it. Yeah. They, you know, they don't want to rock the boat and it's not for most people, I'd say it's not their battle to fight. You know, it's not, you know, Mm. you, you, you choose your, you choose your battles. And at the end of the day, your job is to, in this case, play tennis. Your job is to do well in your sport and do well in your competition. It's not necessarily to make any political statements. Mm -hmm. It's not to, yeah, to, to change the world politically. Uh, or, or go into parliament or whatever. But when you do have a strong stance in something that is political or can be politicized and something that affects a lot of people socially, you know, a lot of people in the public and affects society as a whole, and you have something to say about it, and you make a strong stance about it and stand your ground like Djokovic has been doing, as you can see, because he is so influential and he has such a wide reach, that is extremely polarizing. As you said, there's two very opposing camps. And I'd add as well, within the camp of Let Him Go, a lot of them are just saying, you know, why, why is he here if he was let in in the first place? And anyone who's tried to travel to Australia, you know, myself included knows how strict the Australian borders are and the Australian customs are you know you have to be so on point with all your documents applying for your visa blah 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 so for them to then turn around after all that and still detain him or or keep, keep him in a quarantine hotel and cancel his visa you know a lot of people think that's wrong but um Because it's such a prolific case, there's sort of much wider implications outside of sport. And one that I wanted to bring up was, you know, people in politics politicizing what's been happening for their own personal gain. Um, We see on Twitter people like Nigel Farage and people like Lawrence Fox, you know, guys in politics who are very vocal about being anti-lockdown, anti-vaccinations, yeah. are saying that, hey, we're on your side, you know, we're fighting the same fight. Yeah. And using Djokovic's case, and Djokovic having his visa cancelled and being someone who's very vocal about not getting the vaccination, using that to further their own message. And like I said before, like I don't I don't know what his political stance is and whether or not he agrees with Nigel Farage. And and like you were saying about Andy Murray's tweet, what, what was it?
1: Um, so basically Nigel Farage was walking into Djokovic's like trophy cabinet or like trophy room. And he was like here to celebrate with the Djokovic brothers. Um, and then Andy Murray retweeted it and basically said, I wonder if you could tell them the story about how you want to deport all of the Eastern Europeans. Which is a very, very strong statement to make.
0: Well, I mean that's that's true, you know. With Nigel Farage's track history, Mm. the people from where people such as Djokovic comes from were the ones he was fighting against. And but now because they have sort of an alignment in or a supposed alignment in in views about about one kind of policy, they're suddenly he's suddenly trying to be Djokovic's yeah
1: Yeah, absolutely and then on 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 the flip side as well you have as i mentioned earlier you know macron saying stuff like um i'm pretty sure in an interview he said something like the unvaccinated all i want to do is just piss them off and so we're going to continue to push that until it's the end and that's our strategy he was like you know we can't lock them up that's illegal but what i can do is I can say to them, if you don't get vaccinated, you can't go to the theatre, you can't go to restaurants, you can't go to the cinema, etc. And that's an entirely different extremist view. Is like, and
0: it's yeah, it yeah, means uh, I, in, think, I think he yeah yeah I agree. I think he said something like, for the unvaccinated, I want to make life very hard for them.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: um, yeah. So you know, it's it's a case of. When you have such a, such an extreme, take such an extreme stance or, or political view, it can be used by both sides, whether you like it or not. And as we were saying earlier as well about about the people of Melbourne being in lockdown for such a long period of time and not being able to go out, not being able to see their friends and family, you know their work obviously being affected, they're yeah. justifiably angry that just because, well, suppose, maybe it looks like just because this is the world number one in tennis, he's being allowed to waltz in and do what he wants, where the rest of us aren't able to. And, you know, the public gets, again, justifiably angry when politicians do that, when it's one rule for them and another rule for the rest of them. Um, So I can see clearly that there's going to be politicians and speakers on the other side of Djokovic using that anger of the public and using that sort of frustration that he's been allowed to do something that we haven't been for months and months because of who he is, using that anger to, to, to feel that message even more. And I think that's what sort of, that's what's dangerous.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. And One, um, One kind of like avenue as well that I want to go down, which people might not potentially look at, is you know, sometimes it can be difficult. You know, if let's say, for example, you fall in the camp of you should be vaccinated, this is the rules, blah, 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 you know, or you fall into the opposite, you've also got to think about, you know, yes, whether you think it's right or whether it's wrong, but at the end of the day, as a sportsman, how is that going to implicate him when he's In Australia or he has to go to France or he's at Wimbledon in the summer you know he's not going to know when he when he can compete whether he can compete you know all this sort of stuff so uh, this being kind of like a sports podcast as well like as a sportsman how is that going to affect him physically and mentally to be told not only does your political view um, not mirror what we want but also yeah, you're sorry, you can't compete in France. That's, you know, the French Open, and he's also just pulled out of the ATP Cup. They're huge competitions. Could you imagine if he was then told, if Boris Johnson imposed, oh, yeah, you have to be vaccinated if you want to compete? That would be no Wimbledon. That's one of the biggest ten- tennis events in the world. And so as an athlete who has to do that to make money, you know, they have to compete on a regular basis, etc. And... Yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are. I mean, I was thinking about this when I was reading over all of it. I was sort of like, think about it from his shoes as well, you know, like, okay, fair enough, that's his choice. And whether you think it's right or whether it's wrong is an entirely separate issue. But what about him just as an athlete, as a human, what what sort of things are going to go through his
0: mind? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I think, you know, as we were saying earlier, at the end of the day, if you're required to to do a certain thing such as getting vaccinated. If you're required to do that in order to do your job, in this case, in order to play tennis and to compete in tennis, where you make a living out of, then then you you are being forced to do something you don't want to do. And, you know, in his shoes, I believe... If he feels truly that strongly about, about not getting the vaccination, not getting vaccinated and not being forced to get vaccinated, that obviously has a massive, massive effect on, on his well-being and his mental health. Yeah. He, th- there's no certainty. He doesn't know, like you say, he doesn't know what's going to come into force in the rules, what's going to happen to his season, what's going to happen to his career. Where is he going to be able to play? Where isn't he going to be able to play? Is he going to be in another situation where he thinks he's going to be able to play and then he gets there and they're like, oh, hang on a minute, you, you yeah. can't come in and have to fight this battle all the time? Because you know, it's also obviously not ideal to be locked up in a room for you know over a week this close to a big tournament where he's not got the facilities to train, not got the facilities that he's used to to, to keep his fitness up. And, you know, these might seem like quite trivial things to some people, but we have to, I think, look at it in the lens of this is his profession. This is his career,
1: his life as well.
0: Yeah, this is his life. And this is, you know, this is what he makes a living out of. Absolutely. And no doubt his one of his biggest passions as well
1: yeah Um, and whether you deem that to be important or not that's your decision but at the end of the day this is what he deems the most important thing in his life so like it it, exactly as you just alluded to it's almost like your employer or the government turning around and saying yeah sorry you can't go to your job and earn money and put food on your table unless you abide to what (laughs) we want you to do um yeah so whether that be trivially or not but like yeah, people could say it's just sport. Yeah, you're right, it is just sport, but sport to some people is their life.
0: Well, yeah, like, you know, hitting a ball across the net, backwards and forwards, could be a thing that you do on a Sunday, or a thing you do on a sunny day with your kids, or it could be the only thing that makes you money, that makes you successful in your field, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I think... Whether or not you agree with Djokovic and his, his political stance and his his views on vaccinations and whether or not it should be mandated. I think he, he's done a good good job in in one, standing his ground and 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 fighting, as it were, for what he believes in. And also just not not doing too much of that, you know, not not blowing up keeping his cool a little mm. bit you know he could have easily said um, much stronger things on social media in the week and a half or whatever it's been that he's been um, in his hotel room you know he could have said a lot more slanderous things but <laughs> instead he's he's thanked his supporters you know he's thanked his family and he said that his job is to play at the open and that's what he's going to do
1: yeah absolutely Yeah, I think uh, we covered that pretty well. Um, One top one, uh, this is going to be a massive like caveat to this, which is a a, a similar topic. Uh, It's not necessarily about Novak Djokovic. Um, And this is only very one small example, but one thing that I wanted to discuss, which I've seen a lot of in the past couple of years in the NFL, is um, seeing articles or pieces of media come out where footballers potentially have been arrested or charged for drink driving or for domestic abuse um and etc etc and this is kind of related but it's also a slightly separate issue of sometimes i do feel like athletes do get away with a certain amount of things whether that be because of their and it's not just athletes but obviously this is a sports podcast i'm relating it back to athletes. yeah it could be
0: you know actors yeah actors
1: whatever yeah Yeah, exactly but you know for us in the sports world sports people are our celebrities whereas if you know you like movies or whatever then actors are going to be oh the the cream of the crop um but i've seen it increasingly a lot where you know well-known athletes not everybody but that they it's almost oh yeah they pay this person off and oh it's forgotten you know like they have um I can't remember the uh, I think it might have been a, a football player called Ezekiel Elliott who plays for the um the Cowboys and I, I think it was about a year or two ago he uh, got banned from football for a year because of domestic violence and he paid them off he did his time fair enough Okay, fine. He, he doesn't play football for a year. Does that mean that he's now not a domestic abuser?
0: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, I see what you mean. And, and I, I, you know, people in, I think, in places of, in positions of power or people who yeah. situate themselves in high places or know people in high places, as it were, often get away with things. And it, it feels that sort of belief that, you know, there's almost, one rule for us and another for them, mm. because of who they are, and and I, that links really well with the Djokovic case and and one you know the public getting angry because he's not having to as it were follow the same rules, but also I, I don't remember who it was, but one of the competitors, one of the tennis players, also said he's only been allowed or given the visa or his exemption's been been accepted because he's Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Because he's world number 1 and he's defending champion. If it was anyone else, if it was any other players that there was no way that would have happened. Yeah. And you know, there's no actual way of knowing whether that's true or not. Yeah. But regardless that's a sentiment that that they have and I'm sure that a lot of the players share. Mm. And you know, uh, that also leads to what I wanted to say as well about being Novak Djokovic or you know being Rafael Nadal being any anyone with such a big platform they whether they like it or not have a microphone directly to their fans their supporters the the supporters of the sport and just the wider public especially in more mainstream sports such as tennis you know so what kind of message is he sending to mm. the people who watch and support him, and to the people who watch the news, the, the public? Is he saying that because I'm world number one, I can do this and you can't? Is he saying that you know because I'm such a good tennis player, I'm also the the place to get factual knowledge about whether or not you should get the vaccine or not? You know, Uh, I think I think whether it realizes or not and whether, you know, top sports people and and celebrities realize or not, they have kind of uh, the duty bound to to make sure that they send the message that they want and they think is right to the public, to the general public and to their followers.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I don't have to add anything else on that point. Um, I think, I suppose, you know, it, again, it just comes down to what you believe, what your opinion is. Um, and as, you know, people are also can sometimes be uh, misconstrued by the media, not always, but I don't think it helps. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That, that's another thing, you know, with I've seen headlines about, uh, you know, I've obviously been following been following this case as you have and and you would have seen the same headlines but mm. some of them say that he's been held captive you know in a yeah. in a detention center others say that he's he's a been hotel. in a hotel yeah, yeah. yeah. you know yeah. and that message makes a massive difference as absolutely your perception of, of what's been happening yeah. your your opinions on whether it's right or not whether it's justified or not for the government to do what They've been doing with Djokovic, you know. People are saying that some headlines say he's there to fight his case, like win his appeal, get around it. And Mm. there's others saying that, you know, is he, is he being let off? You know, just small, I guess, semantic differences like that make a massive difference as to how he's being portrayed and how his his actions are being portrayed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I fully agree. Hopefully, that came across the way we wanted it to. It wasn't too opinionated, but at the end of the day, this podcast is our opinion. So,
0: well, yeah, I mean, you messaged me this morning. You said you were fucking seething about (laughs) the fact that he's been he's won his appeal, and so I got a bit excited, just like, oh, we're going to disagree on this and have a big debate. But actually, we still agreed on most things.
1: But this is this is the reason. I, the reason I mentioned that I was seeing that he'd won his case is because of the fact that the stuff that he does carries so much weight that people are going to read that and they're going to think, "Oh, well, you know, fuck it, I can just do what I want then." And like I said, you know, we've already covered this. Is that carries so many implications for healthcare, um, you know, and a whole host of other things, like you mentioned right at the start of the podcast people who live in Melbourne who haven't been able to see family members for months on end or weeks on end because of this situation that's going on for someone to just rock up and to be okay for it to be okay. And that's why I was a bit, maybe not, I wasn't annoyed at him. I was just annoyed at at, at how it had happened and what the situation was. Angry at the
0: situation.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, because ultimately, yes, everybody is singling this Novak Djokovic thing out right because it's the it's the one thing they can latch on and he's such a big character he's he's the the best tennis player in the world and has been for years that if the media push this Novak Djokovic blah 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 people are going to be like oh shit like the best tennis player in the world that's you know that's going to go straight to the biggest headlines in the world and people are going to think even if they don't know anything about tennis and they don't care anything about the virus or Whatever it is, they're going to think, Oh, I know that jo- I know who Novak Djokovic is, and then it pulls them into the this frigging cesspool of uh, <laughs> of bloody toxic. Uh,
0: I'm going into it on an absolute rant, but misinformation, like, disinformation, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Um, and that's you know, more about his the microphone he's been given with his platform, whether he likes it or not. But, mm. you know, I think, I think this goes to show and kind of what this podcast is about and what we're trying to do with this is we both agree and hopefully you agree as well and hopefully we've shown today from this just this one standalone case mm. that sports doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, sports cannot be apolitical. It can't be just the game. You know, professional sports and, and sports with with media coverage, sports that is is open to access by the public. It has to be it is by nature political. Yeah. You know? It's by nature tied in with, with social issues, with social problems, with with things that polarize and divide, like we see with this case. And we can't pretend that it doesn't. We can't pretend that we, we can't turn a blind eye and say, no, as sports people, as a sporting community, we're just going to focus on the game itself because it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. And hopefully we've shown that today.
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure that we'll do plenty of podcasts that will be similar to sport. Not being a political um, is the plan. Uh, you know, anyway,
0: yeah. I mean, speaking of that, next episode i'm super excited for for what's coming up can we can we talk about it
1: yeah i mean we give the listener. i mean it'll give them an incentive to tune in next week
0: well this is kind of give too much away though no no well today we kind of picked something out from the news and tried to talk about sort of a a current topic but we're going to go a bit broader uh, um next episode and the next couple of episodes where i think we're going to do a few on this because it's such a big topic and there's just so much to talk about with so many different people um yeah we're getting on guests but we're going to be talking about the role of diversity and inclusivity in sports and vice versa sports role in promoting diversity and inclusivity in in the greater population in society and the kind of struggles and barriers that people have faced from lack of those things um and also just just general experiences from from people of different sports and different backgrounds and how how they fit in so no super excited for that i hope you are too
1: i am excited i'm looking forward to it because it's not something that we've done before and i think it's such a big topic to tackle Um, and just also um to share success stories, as well as, you know, stories that could potentially be um, difficult to hear. Uh, You know, as as the nature of sport is, you win or you lose. Um, So I think it's going to be really interesting to to hear some stories and bring on some guests. And to finish on a slightly lighter topic, um, which is going to be a curveball to you, uh, we each obviously you we spoke about this last time that you are are pretty well read and i've been picking up the uh picking up the the habit of trying to get into reading so to finish on a slightly lighter topic i want to know at the current point in time what you're reading and why (laughs) currently yeah
0: i am reading the power of geography
1: let's go (laughs)
0: and it was gifted to me by none other than my uh, co-host Connor Campbell I feel like Um,
1: that was massively scripted but I actually
0: didn't even realize I promise you like (laughs) um, I was not prepped on this bit why am I reading it because you know okay on this podcast we talk about how sports by nature and whether we like it or not is intrinsically tied in and intersecting with social issues political issues etc geography is as well and that is such a new topic for me you know Mm. i didn't really do geography in school i i uh you know with with my master's degree in bioethics um and i did a lot of political philosophy in my undergrad you know I've, i've always had a lot of thoughts about political issues and and international relations stuff like that but i've never really thought about how Geography not only intersects with that, but actually generates and causes a lot of the a lot of the um, geopolitical issues and, and and the climate that we're in. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I've been been trying to read. What about
1: yeah. you? I, I remember us reading uh, Prisoners of Geography last year, both of us, and we were literally just mind blown at how much information we just ha- we didn't know before <laughs> reading it. Um, I've also got Play as well which is written by Tim Marshall which is um, it's about uh, the Balkans um, like the wars wars in the Balkans and stuff like that so like former Yugoslavia etc etc but uh, I've just finished reading this by Greg Everett it's called Tough nice. basically it's about like building mental resilience and stuff like that and uh, I am a serial page bender <laughs> so like <laughs> I'm not sure if you can see. Oh, uh, yeah. Look at how many corners. Oh, uh, I feel corners sorry of... for
0: that book, man.
1: I do as well. But I've learned not to bend spines, which um, <laughs> my fiancé told me last year was an absolute sin against the librarian. Um, but I've, I've just finished that. So I've just currently picked up a fiction book called Vindolandia. Um, I'm obsessed with like Rome, Rome and the Roman Empire. And a couple of years back, me and my brother and former... Uh, host of the podcast we went on a trip through Hadrian's Wall so we walked from Newcastle upon Tyne all the way to um, Carlisle and Bowness on Sea um, and so the series of books is, I think there's three in a row written by Adrian Goldsworthy um, is is basically about Hadrian's Wall uh, it's fiction but I like to mix kind of you know information as well as kind of fiction as well just because otherwise uh I tend to not be as interested
0: information with imagination.
1: Yeah, you go. <laughs> I like that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd finish on a slightly lighter note. Also one thing I wanted to mention. So obviously I've been reading the daily stoic every day. It's kind of like a daily daily thing. It has like an excerpt from meditations or discourses, um, you know, which obviously written by Seneca or Marcus Aurelius or all of those stoics, but One of my friends actually bought me uh, this who might be coming on the podcast soon. It's called live like a stoic. So it's very similar to the daily stoic, but what, honestly, when I first started reading this, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be something that I enjoy. Essentially it gives you exercises to do every week. So it's 52 exercises and you have to practice it throughout the week. And it's honestly one of the best resources i've ever bought from stoicism um so if anyone is interested in any of the stoic stuff um don't go to me because i don't know anywhere near as enough brian holiday stuff um you know that's why i got the daily stoic uh you know and things like that but yeah anyway wanted to finish on a slightly lighter topic amazing
0: yeah
1: uh, right bro let's
0: that's cap good. it there then let's do it play all the right. outro
1: yeah that's it thank you very much guys for tuning in catch you next week
0: nice
1: all right cool so you do you want to plug where people can find you
0: yeah so on instagram i am at you on facebook i am you eventing and my website is sue what about you Connor?
1: mine is at conor lift stuff on instagram and at stoic strength systems on instagram and we was also just set up a Patreon under the same name stoic strength systems so give those a follow i will put the links all down in the description if i figure out how to do it
0: thank you for listening to this episode make sure you like share and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll see you next